0: I have learned very little in life, but of all the things that I've learned, I've learned that one, you have to make life happen for you, for your kids. It's not going to happen for for you, to you. You have to make it happen. And also the like, celebrate it, man. Like do not talk shame yourself. Celebrate the fact Mm -hmm. that you were a freaking grown ass adult and you had peanut M&Ms. You're not going to have peanut M&Ms for breakfast every morning of your life. But at the same time, like if you're not stopping and smiling and, that's the bit that i think we oftentimes have wrong treat yourself and as people yeah there's too much shoulda and like dessert is self-care
1: is that not a shirt
0: no it should be though
1: welcome to the podcast where we introduce you to incredible humans who share their journeys with the mission to inspire you to harness your own inner tenacity to drive your life and career forward and now your host adam posner Hey, everybody, welcome back to the podcast where you're bringing the best and brightest of the world of business, marketing, and pastry. I don't even know if that's the right word pastry uh, to help you harness your own inner tenacity and drive your career forward. I am thrilled to welcome my guest today, Christina Tosi. Christina is the founder and creative mastermind behind Milk Bar. She's a classically trained pastry chef who blends culinary techniques with unexpected, whimsical, and nostalgic ingredients. And she began her career working for a number of powerhouse fine dining chefs, including David Boulay, Cesar Ramirez, Tomas Keller, Wally Dufresne and Alex Tupac. Is it Tupac? Tupac. Tupac.
0: You got it's it. Tupac.
1: It's a close one. And we'll talk about <laughs> Wiley in a moment because we've had a couple of anim- we have one anniversary at uh, at, at WD 40. Maybe 40. 50, 40 is oh, a grease. I know it's the a grease. <laughs> and and I'll talk, I'm gonna talk about that experience uh, in a little bit. But from there, Christina founded the dessert program at the one and only David Chang's Mama Fuca and went on to build a culinary empire of her own, described by the New York Times as a quote, border crossing pastry chef. Do you love hearing this all the time? <laughs> it's nice to hear it. she you just read it to me? people are like Can you just read this to my mom? And she opened milk bars doors in 2008 and has since been recognized as one of the most iconic American pastry chefs. Of this generation, among our many accolades you received is the James Beard Foundation Award for Rising Chef, Star Chef. Boom! I am a huge foodie and a huge fan, as Milk Bar has been an essential culinary part of my New York City life. Christina, welcome to the podcast. Uh,
0: thanks, Adam. I'm so happy to hang out with you
1: today. I am thrilled, and it's so cool. Like I, I'm a born and raised New Yorker, born in Brooklyn, grew up in the city. Wifey and I met there. Um, I remember the buzz I remember the buzz 2008 2009 and that's kind of when New York was part I don't want to insult anybody I thought it was a little cooler back then it was
0: different that's for sure (laughs) we'll use the word different we will use the word different
1: and I remember the buzz and my friend's like dude cereal milk I'm like whoa whoa, what do you mean we've been talking about this since college like 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 someone made it into an ice cream like you have no idea and I remember going down there the first time it was like a pilgrimage and the line was like around the block and we waited and we waited and we waited. And it was to say it was worth the wait is an understatement. Um,
0: uh.
1: And that was that was my my first experience. I, I remember it. It was it was a it was a, it was a be- one of those like perfect fall days, kind of like we had this last week where you're like, this is why people love New York City. It's those shoulder months, right? It's the spring and the fall that are just.
0: It really is. It feels like we're, it feels like life's in color, right? Like that we walk around in black and white all the other months and all the other weekends. And it's those like select few moments where it's not too hot and it's not too cold and everything is just right. And it doesn't even feel like you're walking, it feels like you're moonwalking. And and you have a bite of ice cream that tastes like what's left in your bowl after you eat all the cereal at it. (laughs)
1: Oh, it's 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 (laughs) you feel fully
0: gotten as a person, right? (laughs) And
1: then and then fast forward as we before I hit record, uh my friends Evan Yelena and and my wife were at the Ace Hotel a few months ago and we went next door to Milk Bar, and I think it was their first time. And we had a little bit of everything. We had like we we, you don't know what to get. So take a little bite, a little bite here, a little bite there. But we're gonna get into it in a minute. Um, so I want to hit the rewind button, and um, I like to talk about inspiration on on this show, and, and I watched your, your TEDx talk the the other night, and it blew my mind, and everyone's passion starts somewhere, and yours began with your grandmother's baking. I'd love if you could take us back to those early feelings, those sensory memories of, of what that was.
0: Mm. I My mom was a working mom, and so I spent a lot of time with both of my grandmas, both of whom love to bake. Totally different styles of baking, but a very regular cadence of just time in the kitchen. So my upbringing was spent in the kitchen, not because I necessarily knew I loved to bake, but that's sort of where childcare took place. <laughs> so outright, it was just sort of like brass tacks. This is where you went because that's where your caregiver was. And I mean, I still remember everything from like the sound of the wooden bowl hitting a sound of the wooden spoon hitting the glass bowl, like the smell of sugar and butter when it's being mixed together, when you open the vanilla extract, when the confectioner sugar first poofs open and a little bit of that like powdered sugar goes up your nose. And certainly, <laughs> and certainly, <Perfect> the <laughs> I know, and certainly just the smell of a freshly baked cookie, right? It makes your kitchen, it makes my grandma's kitchen, each of mm. them would smell like this like buttery, toasty, goodness and I definitely above all else remember what eating cookie dough tasted like what it was like it was this sort of like it was oh, the shock Kikido. to the system it was <laughs> it was the feeling you're talking about like that that perfect fall day where you you have something a moment it pops out of like it feels like your eyes are popping out of <sighs> your head. you can't quite explain it but you know that you're fully present and you know that you need. for me it was I <laughs> knew I needed more. And I, I remember standing on the chair that was like you know covered in that sort of like pseudo plastic, almost like no yep. linoleum cover. <laughs> so it did that. ruin it. <laughs> the sound of like the um, iron legs, like the metal legs skidding across as you went to go like, go push it up. And I remember being like chided by my grandmas basically because they caught on to the fact that I was sneaking more cookie dough than I was supposed to or sneaking more cookies out of the cookie tin or whatever it is. And I very quickly became banned, relatively (laughs) speaking, from some of these activities. So, I, in this true survival of the fittest, then would like make my own cookie dough-ish concoctions. Terrible. I'm confident. But for me, it really was like, the idea that you could put these ingredients together that they tasted this way and that you were making something physical with your hands that you could put in the oven to bake was something I was obsessed with
1: i I absolutely love talking about these childhood memories and the one for me that I continue to this day my tradition is I grew up in Brooklyn and for us it was Carvel and it was fudgy the whale oh. and for me the <sighs> algamation the alg- and I'm and I'm straight up I um, they know it's my birthday and father's day I get it twice a year my birthday's in March. Father's Day is in June. It's close enough. It's kind of nice. So it's the tail. So if I was going to create some crazy, it would be the whale's tail, right? It would be the amalgamation of yeah. the fudge, the crunch, and everything about it. But I'm a cookie monster, so I would put that between two, like, crazy cookies and make mm-hmm. it like a whale's mm-hmm. tail crunch. Respect. Anyway.
0: Respect. Wait, can I tell you uh, something, Adam? Like, Clean. The reason <laughs> that milk bars cakes, the the cakes that we make at milk bar, the reason that they have this formula of like, there's cake and cake soak, and there's, we call them spreadable filling one, some sort of crumb or crunch, spreadable filling two, which is to say it's not always frosting. That's just too technical. Is because of Fudgy the Whale. Because what? in my mind, this idea where you get that like fudgy gloss and then the crummy crunchies, I was like, why doesn't this exist more? I want to make a cake that celebrates this so like we have a we have a cake coming on the menu in december it's a peppermint bark cake, but it Ooh. really is fudgy. If Fudgy the Whale was wearing like a candy bar or, or candy cane tie, this is what it would be. But basically, the going. two most important layers are chocolate crumbs, which is basically the chocolate crunch of Fudgy the Whale through our lens, and fudge sauce. Like fudge sauce is a layer in any chocolate bar cake. I'm like a, like a seven year old right now.
1: <laughs> I will be there. I will be there. With my son, my five year old, loves mint chocolate chip. We're gonna do it. We're gonna oh make God. it happen. Peppermint I want to get back to the story. We're, we're, yes. we're coming. Um, and if you're there, I love to say hi. So I want to talk about another memory. (laughs) I never talked about this on 299 episodes. Um, Dusty blue Ford Taurus. Was it a wagon or a sedan? sedan. I, my dad, for years, had a 1987 powder blue Ford Taurus station wagon. I learned to drive on this, and I would have to take it to high school. And at first, I was embarrassed about it. And then it became the shagging wagon, right? It became like the, mm-hmm. like it was like Scooby Doo, right? It was well, right literally, passage. right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and I was driving around, and then when I heard your TED talk, and you're talking about this powder blue Fortress, I'm like, oh my, how do I not talk about this? But talk about the mm-hmm. memory of the bag of sugar babies.
0: The thing. Um. So my mom would pick us up from preschool, my older sister and I, in this dusty blue <laughs> uh, Ford Taurus sedan, and. It was a regular day. There was nothing special about it. Um, and all I remember, we were on our way out of the parking lot and she pulled the car over. And I remember being like, I got my seatbelt. Like you do all the checks when you when you think you're going to get in trouble. Why else does your parent pull over? And she reached over to her purse that was like sitting in the little middle seat of the, those old sedans in the 80s. And she pulled out a bag of... a a little just individual sized bag of sugar babies that Mm -hmm. she had left in the car, warmed by the sun, warmed by the heat. She tore open that little paper bag and she handed a few of those little brown sugar pellets to my sister and a few to me. And I just remember staring out the window in this parking lot, eating them and this bonding moment with my mom and my sister. But this moment that we're talking about, right. Where it's like, Like like time stops. Like you know you're going to remember that moment. It is so poignant. It is so bright. It is so sharp. And obviously teasing it out now as an adult, going like, "Holy!" Like she had a plan, right? Like those babies (laughs) were there. Those sugar babies were there for good. Like for a very specific reason. She's not the kind of mom that would like eat candy. Like these were outside of every normal routine.
1: Breaking the and rules, yet, the time of day, place, location in the car, just right. everything.
0: What? 50 cents, maybe, this bag of sugar babies at the time. And yet it it stopped. Like, it stopped me in my tracks. Not that I was, like, in, like, sleepwalking, feeling washed as a preschooler mode, right? But, like, I remember nothing else about my childhood up until that point, probably, but I remember that, and that for me is like the power of why I do what I do, not in a self-important way, just in a my love and my connection and my bond to dessert and these sweet treat moments. Not to be like cheesy about it, but no, the power that these tiny little sugary things have to do for, to, and with people is something that I'm just obsessed with, basically.
1: <laughs> so this, so this is this is going off script here. Um, May I ask how old are your children?
0: They're two and a half and a half, basically. <laughs>
1: so, so, so they're they're not at full. Um, they don't have the full ability to appreciate mm-hmm. uh, desserts yet. They, they'll have a sweet tooth, I'm sure. Right? You won't hold it Those against. That's two and a half don't. year
0: old is just thinks it's always around. Like I don't think she understands I mean, that. Not? Like normal life isn't just going no. to a bakery and getting a bag full of twenty different types of like you know pumpkin coffee cake cake to try out and go which one do we like the best for these reasons sort
1: of it's going to be interesting though as your kids grow up like comparing it to your experience right how many of these experiences will be just because this is what mom does for a living versus mm. those organic in the moment you know and and as a parent i have an 11 year old daughter who's obsessed sweet tooth and a 5 year old son who i can't, he's a candy monster um we try to break those rules and that's a lot of the things you talk about also is yeah. breaking the rules and that's kind of the whole philosophy which I'll get to in a little bit around your thesis on on developing milk bar well it goes back to the menu with David Chang and before that but just doing things cuz the moment feels right
0: that's and it, it feels like it's good, it's trying to live in the moment as much as possible and like i think if we were t- having this conversation 15 years ago it wouldn't really resonate or necessarily make sense but i think now more than ever the sort of like stopping time Mm -hmm. and like truly being like truly being in the place where you are i think is so important and dessert is one of those unlocks there's plenty of other unlocks right like there's so many other art forms but this one because it 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 really engages all of the senses is really powerful but like to the point i think my kids will grow up they'll have a bunch of Dessert around them implicitly because of what I do, both as like a home baker, growing up like online baking community, a bake club, and professionally, but also like my mom was with them. They're now grandma, right? Was with mm-hmm. them last weekend, and you know, know what they did, Adam? They made cookies, and she's making cookies with a two and a half and a half year old. And so, I think a uh-huh. lot of it also is just like the way that my the matriarchs in my family raise kids, and what we do, and what that creative time is, and the fact that like. We like dessert and we like good food and we like to bake and that's just what happens.
1: I love it. My kids, um, they're probably doing it right now. It's 322. They're home from school and our nanny has been with us forever. She's an incredible pastry chef and she's making um, these Reese's uh, spider cookies. She makes them every year and the Reese's melts and they're just awesome. And I know when I get home, there's gonna be a fresh one waiting for me and I'm going (laughs) to house them because they know daddy's a cookie monster. But it's about breaking the rules too, even myself and not just because I'm a fat ass, like. First of all, Halloween period. We're recording this on the 26th. Mm-hmm. Is going to come out later this year. It's terrible for parents. There's candy right. preparation. There's candy everywhere. There's candy in the house, wow. and I'm a candy monster. And it's like I had, I had one of those little personal bags of peanut M&Ms at breakfast this morning.
0: No,
1: it, dude, it's kind of a, it's kind of me, a meal. Though, it's peanut M&M.
0: terrible. This is for me. it's Like I've I've learned enough. <laughs> I have learned very little in life. But of all the things that I've learned, I've learned that. This sort of October, November, December season, you look forward, like one, you have to make life happen for you, for your kids. It's not going to happen for you, to you. You have to make it happen. And also the like, celebrate it, man. Like do not talk shame yourself, celebrate the fact that you were a freaking grown ass adult and not you had wanted. peanut M&Ms. You're not going to have peanut M&Ms for breakfast every morning of no. your life. I totally get no, the October, November, December is a slippery it's slope has come the end of it. You're like, Oh my gosh, Ugh. get it, get it, like get it under control. But at the same time, like if you're not stopping and smiling and that's the bit that I think we oftentimes have wrong. Well, treat yourself and as people. Treat yeah, there's too much shoulda and like dessert is self care. And you gotta and like let it be self care and then get a hold on it when you need to. It should is be.
1: that a, is that on one of your shirts? Dessert is self care.
0: No. <laughs> no, it should be though. All
1: right, we're it gonna we're be. gonna mark this one <laughs> and and I at least get a get a free shirt. So I want to get the career journey uh, on track here because that's what we talk about in the show and. Desserts were in your blood, and your, but that always wasn't what you went. That's not what I went to college for. What, what did you go to school for?
0: Um, I studied engineering, but I ended up majoring in applied mathematics and the Italian language because they were the two classes that I was – they were like my 7 or 8 a.m. classes. They're the ones I never skipped. They're the ones that I was most excited to, to attend, and they're the ones that just sort of like fueled me and drove me. And I, this is the compass that I always use in life of like – If it's not a heck yes, it's a heck no, you know, like just in any way, shape or form.
1: When was that decision to say, screw that, I'm following my passion?
0: (laughs) Basically, um... Uh, on the eve of graduation, I was like, okay, girlfriend, what are you know going to do with this? And I was like, uh, I, oh, I could be an accountant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. My mom is yeah. an accountant and yeah. she's an awesome accountant. Yeah. I know. <laughs> but for me, I think it was the intersection of, oh my gosh, I could, who's going to hire me to sit around and solve math problems every day. That'd be a great life. But I realized that that life, that reality didn't exist for me. And the other piece that I knew to be true about me was I wanted a space where I could like, be really like physical and jump around, like being on my feet and being out in the world and being creative. And I, the desk job part of it really scared me about those pieces. And so I was like, all right, well, you got to figure something out. And the only other thing I knew that I felt the same way about applied mathematics, the Italian language and making cookies. <laughs> so I was like, great. So- it's not one or two. So it's three move to New York City, go to culinary school,
1: figure it and out, and I, go. I love it. As, 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 of my French, but fuck around and find out. It, it just, it, 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 it works. I It's so crazy. This is another thing I never talk about. So I, I had this inflection point before I went to school where I had to choose between University of Buffalo and Johnson and & Wales because I had this weird kind of passion. I wanted to like run a hotel. I wanted mm-hmm. to like see the world and Johnson and & Wales mm-hmm. is an acclaimed uh, hospitality and they have their own really uh-huh. solid restaurant program as well there too. And I'll be honest, there's times when I kind of say, what if? And I know you can't and shouldn't do that, but like, what if? Like, what if, What if I went Life's there? Life's not and, and over
0: though, also, Adam. Like, it could be your second mountain. That
1: could be the old concierge. What's cool in New York these days, I kids? Some,
0: I stayed somewhere the other day where it was, a, it was an old property that two folks had, well, well, three guys, uh, two brothers, and then a friend t- took over. And it was definitely not their first rodeo and yet Mm. it was their first project and they were so passionate they did it so well because they had the experience of life and they knew it's reason for being an and and so just saying like don't don't you eat your bag of peanut m&ms and shame yourself and tell yourself that you can't do all the things that you want to do my friend i would would love
1: i would love to open up and don't settle in and don't settle i'm not
0: i'm
1: i'm not so culinary school can you tell everyone like culinary school is hard did your background in, in mathematics help, at least with the with the proportions and the formulas and that mindset? Did that help?
0: I think that learning? the way that did, did I was Did you have I to learn the ratios
1: raised. or were you going by yeah. taste and feel?
0: I, I think that, um, well, baking is very scientific. So I think the way that I was yes, raised to was be a rule follower is what actually served me. It was less about what I studied in college and it was more that my mm. parents really raised us to be overachieving rule followers. It definitely landed differently on me and my sister, which I'm sure it always does in a household of more than one child. But that served me, like serving the sort of like, I'm here, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to shoot my shot. I'm here alone in the city. This is what I'm here to do. And I'm going to do it with all my might. Um, that intensity that I was raised with, and then the rule followingness that I was raised with, was really, really helpful, which is ironic because everything we do at Milk Bar is like reaching beyond the rules, uh, arguably breaking the rules. But I didn't learn that I was over-following the rules until after culinary school, which is good because culinary school is all about the this sort of militaristic approach, the foundation respect, like keep your mouth shut in the learn kitchen. it and mm-hmm. do it. Yeah. Yes, chef.
1: And- was there any inflection, was there any point in culinary school where you, where you thought about quitting or was there any like really hard, challenging moments that really put you to the test?
0: No, I mean, I, I'm I'm always an underdog. Like I was never the smartest kid in school, but I was the one that over a school year would work the hardest to get ahead. I'm a, I was a cross country runner, right? Like I'm never the first one out of the yeah, game, but I will I will <laughs> keep at it until, but I think the thing that oh I always thought was interesting at culinary school was so many people wanted to be have wedding cake businesses like that was the hot hotness of my class and i was like i don't understand i don't want to do that like for what sort of things there were very few that were in there were well if you get a milk bar cake it's a different story but yeah it was more about the look than the taste right and that i always Mm -hmm. thought was strange but this was also back in the day where like being a chef wasn't as um
1: it wasn't the glamorized chef. chefs. I mean, you had a couple of them. You had, right. emerald, you had emerald. You had emerald. Yeah, those early I'm guys. A, I'm a
0: female at pastry school, right? Like uh, that. That like male machismo. There were a yeah. few great ones, but it wasn't the. It wasn't revered the way that it is now, and I think no. for good reason. So what you had were people mm-hmm. that were really in it to be in it, as opposed to folks that were like, "I'm going to be the next celebrity." Celebrity chef wasn't. I'm sure it was no, a term, but the shows life, weren't
1: there. The shows weren't. You know. Top Chef and 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 um,
0: exactly and,
1: and Chopped and, and all the other ones too. Cheese. That's I mean that's pretty much what I grew up on. Um, just a complete side question. Anthony Bourdain.
0: Mm. Have you,
1: did you have a chance to, to meet him and get to yeah. know him? at
0: Yeah.
1: What's your, what's your hot take on on your time with Anthony? Because um, he had such a side note, just a tremendous impact on my life
0: yeah. personally.
1: He he actually helped me propose to my wife. I'll tell you that story later. Oh, but
0: I love yeah. that. he was great. I mean, I think the thing that I loved most about him was how like honest and raw and real he was, especially if you got to spend time with him outside of like behind closed, you know what I mean? Like behind closed doors with some sort of proximity. And, um, I think he, I just loved how real he was, right? He wasn't the best chef. He wasn't the best cook, but mm-hmm. he so like loved and revered the industry and, I think he also gave us this lens of food with humanity and humility and honesty and at a time when it could have gone in a totally different direction. And there's a really big hole mm-hmm. since we lost him. But I always really loved and, his, his radical candor, right? Like oh, yeah. off, i mean, camera, confidential, off, yeah. all confidential stuff. His radical yeah. candor, like it wasn't just his voice in Kitchen Confidential. It was his way of living. And I'm grateful to have got to spend the time with him that I did when I did.
1: I love it. And I I ask that because he was close with David Chang and he's they traveled together, did episodes together. And those are some of my favorite of of No Reservation and and Parts Unknown. Hey, everybody. I want to talk about a product and platform that I absolutely love. And our latest sponsor, Interseller, the prospecting and outreach platform of choice for recruiters and sellers. Whether you're doubling down on business development or recruiting talent, Interseller does all the heavy lifting of finding contact data, automating the email and follow-up process, and syncs all that rich data into 20-plus CRM and ATS platforms. Reach out now and get going on a two-week free trial and let them know you heard about it from Adam on the podcast today. Check out the link on the website. Appreciate it. So how did you first get hooked up when you came out of college? How did you get like a pastry chef, noodle bar? Had that magic come how together? How did
0: these things, yeah? So One of these things I does worked, not belong here. <laughs> yeah, I worked my way up fine dining restaurants because – you know, intense rule follower, I'm going to be the best pastry chef possible. Mm-hmm. That meant being the pastry chef of, you know, the highest rated, most acclaimed fine dining restaurant. You That's did the fancy shit. Um, be the best. Yeah. Um, and I always, I, I did that. At, I, I got to, you know, I worked my way up from the bottom a few different times in really great restaurants. And I could never quite find my, I mean, I, I would find myself at the top, but I couldn't find myself at the top. And what I realized was that, I was I was like on the path and not on the right path, right? Somewhere in between all of that. And so I decided that I would like take a beat. And the thing that I knew to be true about dessert was that I wanted to find a way to democratize it. Like the fine diningness of of restaurants, dessert specifically, people get people wait months and months and months for the reservation. They get super dolled up. It's a white tablecloth. It's tons of money. Dessert, by the way, does not get served until two or three in the morning, right? Oh, like God. those are people's realize. And by the time it's served, like Might it's be a beautiful toasted. and it's it's beautiful. It's finessed. It's all these things, but it like doesn't do the thing that a warm oatmeal cookie does, or that this like mm. Reese's peanut butter cup spiderweb cookie does when you get home, right? Like it was missing the simplicity and the from my take, the democratization, like I couldn't see someone's face. I couldn't connect with someone through the work I was putting on this plate, late at night in the back with my incredible teammates. And so I was like, all right, I got to like take a beat and figure this out. And I basically started working with Dave because he was approaching savory food from a from a culinary school, fine dining perspective, democratizing it on his terms. He was doing what I knew was missing in the world of dessert in savory yeah. food at noodle bar and Inspiration, yeah. I was drawn to it drawn to him. He needed help. And honestly, we just like, we just get along like siblings for good. You know what I mean? Like for all of the sibling of it, our parents lived like a mile and a half from each other in Virginia. Oh, really? Hilariously. Like it was one of those things of like, you've been training for this moment, your entire life. Or like, this was always in the plan. You weren't, your destiny is impossible yeah. to miss. It was that it. truly
1: it's magic. And, and, and correct me if I'm on timeline. You, you were with Wiley before that, right. At WD 50. Yeah.
0: Yeah,
1: he introduced us. And we had had an anniversary there. All of our anniversaries in New York City. Our first one was LaBerna Den. Of course, we did the big one Mm. first. We got that out of the way. I was like, all right, this is is kind of fancy. (laughs) This is the 12-course tasting menu. I'll deal with the bill later. Um, But I remember our dinner at WD50 and the gastro-magical, it was like, Oh, my God. And it wasn't sticky. It wasn't crazy. And I think that for me is where I started to get, I grew up on chicken nuggets, mashed potatoes, macaroni and cheese. And my palate really didn't start to express itself. My palate didn't come out of the closet until I moved to New York City. Right. That's when it became like, I was like, oh, my God, it's a whole new world for me. And each one of those moments, our wife and I, my wife and I, that's how we celebrate. We don't need to give each other gifts. We have a culinary experience together Mm. for our anniversary. We try something and we remember it and we're talking about the food. Um, but that specific experience I, I remember because it was an adventure. And we always do a tasting menu. I mean, that's like, let the, show me what you got.
0: Yeah. I mean, great food should be an adventure. It's not about whether you get it or not. Like, I think these, are, these were the bits that I sort of learned along the way working for great chefs was it should always be an adventure. A great bite should transport people and it should – not be because someone explained it properly mm-hmm. or or it's because your intention is as a chef is both selfish and then's in- entirely selfless. Like there's such a such a very specific altruism to to food in general, certainly to baking, but like food is a nurturing thing, right? Like we have to eat to stay alive. Dessert's an opt-in course, so <laughs> we'll reserve that for another section. Keep some but of us alive. It, that is what that is what a great bite of food. That is like when you know you've hit it, when mm. you're – for us at Milk Bar, when a dessert is complete, when you have really it's, hit it as a chef, it's because the food does all of the talking, and you do not need to explain a single thing. You just let it be and let it do its work.
1: Let it Let it sit. Do you remember the last bite, memorable bite you took at a restaurant?
0: Um, yeah. Well, uh, I was – I do, it was not that long ago, hilariously enough, but it was um, a fried calzone that was filled with, you know, mozzarella cheese, tomato sauce, and some um, prosciutto. And it was, it was like just perfection in all of its, it's in simplicity, but also in complexity, because it's not easy to do. Um, And it just reminded Mm -hmm. me of like, what did I ever eat fried calzones Mm -hmm. like that growing up as a kid? Absolutely not. But it reminded me of like, all those little micro moments when you're really hungry and you have a piece of pizza, like Friday night pizza nights, growing up, Tits. teenager, college age, that like it was the most idealized version of so many different memories tied together.
1: Uh, I love, I, I love Shannon. and I don't want to spend the whole episode talking about food because we can <laughs> in food memories because that's my, my life. Um, so you were developing the me- the dessert menu for. Mama Fuca, which, correct me if I'm wrong, keep me straight here, didn't really have a traditional dessert menu. Lot, yeah, it didn't or, have any or,
0: desserts on the menu.
1: So it was David None like car blanche, like go for it, like let's try shit, yeah, figure it out? I would like, like
0: I would like work by day in operations, but like if, you know, baker's going to bake kind of mentality would always bring in baked goods that bake. I baked at home. And he knew that I, you know, worked the pastry department um, at WD50. And I think... You know, in this beautiful way, like you really have to make sure that you are that you always surround yourself with the right people. He saw some. You have to surround yourself on your way up with people that believe in you, or that at the very least see something in you, and and then you have to trust fall, and you have to trust fall when they push you. I mean, the number of arguments that Dave and I ever gotten over the years. We're like chill parents now and like send each other pictures of babies, right? But Baby like <laughs> the arguments that we would get in, whether they were creative arguments or what we should be doing or like, there's an inherent trust when you let someone really push you. It's not push you around. Don't mistake that, but it's really push you and challenge you. Um, and he did that for me and he was like, I'm, I'm done eating the desserts that you bring in. They're awesome, but I'm done. Like, this is bullshit. Like your role should not be to run office things at, at, at Momofuku. You need to make a dessert and like, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Right. In this way that was like, (laughs) I'm not your boss. And yet You need some sort of authority to say it because by the time you wake up and realize it, it could be too late. And I can't live with myself for that.
1: So how does the story go with pushing the bird out of the nest into the open store next door? (laughs) Literally.
0: Yeah. Put a dessert on the menu at Momo. It went well. Put two, put three. All of a sudden, we had dessert on all the menus. Boom, boom, boom. Um, and we would do a lot more walk and talks that were less about what the restaurants needed and more about like what my ideas and vision were. And I'd be like, man, what I really want is like to open some like quirky bakery. It's kind of like a dairy queen, but also has like a bakery vibe to it. And uh, our landlord at, at one of the Momofuku's, uh, this like old laundromat space was, was coming up on rent. And we were worried that they were going to put a tenant in that. We just didn't want to be neighbors with essentially <laughs>
1: like, a, like a Domino's.
0: <laughs> he was, I mean, I want to be mad about Domino's just saying, but like whatever, whatever it is, right. Like whether it's a competitor or someone that like, I don't know, makes some, is like a nail salon. So all of a sudden you're eating your bosom, and it smells like nail polish. It could be, yeah, anything, you don't want right? that. Yeah. Um, And so we were like, Let's like take it and move, take it and move and move fast. And I think urgency there is also a little bit of like a secret ingredient too, because when you're working with it urgency, serendipity, you don't have time to question and second guess and dan dan and overanalyze, analyze it. it takes the element out.
1: It takes the second captures, guessing out. It captures.
0: It captures the. It's right. It's in serendipitous.
1: It's mad. Let's go yeah. with it. It's a here. The opportunity is here. The store is yeah. open. We've been talking about this. Let's do it. That's
0: it. it. I mean, we weren't loonies. We weren't like, let's no. let's take out mortgage on our blah blah blah, right? Like no, we did it on a shoestring. I borrowed I borrowed some money from him um from Momo to do it and just took off running, basically. Opened the doors, there was a line out, out the door and around the corner, used Momo Food as like the launch pad because I was like, it's a known and trusted entity, keep it simple, stupid um and all of a sudden we were off and people were like what is a cornflake chocolate marshmallow cookie why does compost next to a cookie something i want why is there no vanilla ice cream right like what is the cereal milk why are the cakes not frosted on the sides what is this like milk gooey breaking. underbaked pie and all of a sudden like to the beauty of urgency and not enough time to filter what you got when you walked into the early days of milk bar was a whole lot of passionate people giving it their all that knew a lot about certain things and knew nothing about other things. And so it was both a, like a, it was a beautiful, delicious mess.
1: <laughs> 16, 16, 17 hour days, four or five oh, people yeah. work in there. Longer, what was one of those yeah. early, what was one of those early challenges that you had to overcome that like, maybe you had no yeah, idea. I mean, like, outright from, sleep.
0: I mean, outright like, just I mean, like, like exhaustion. Oh yeah just like Mm -hmm. how do i see clear and steer clear with sleep and how do i still give like kindness and patience to my team and customers and basically how do i get us out of this hole like what we're in a bottleneck what the heck is our bottleneck how do i identify it and how do i unlock it and one of them was like hire good people Mm -hmm. like improve systems um Dave so and I were often times, yeah, Dave would come Does and Does that come from the that, math?
1: Does that come a little bit from, the, from yes, like the, the rule, yes. order, operations, 100%. keeping your books in order, inventory? That's Like it. just the business aspect the of it. So a lot yeah. of chefs have no freaking clue how to do any of that stuff. And that's one no. reason why a lot of places fail.
0: The rules. And then, and then another bit of it though, Adam, was also like share the workload in a way that was like, identify every single person on your team's superpower. Because when you're building a business and you have passionate people that work for you, they all have different superpowers. And if you don't identify them, you can't unlock them. And the second you start unlocking them, the second the business becomes more dynamic, more everything that you want it to be, and you will be able to utilize and lever people that are more passionate about certain things, invest in class. And then all of a sudden you have a community effect that is more than just everyone showing up for their shift and doing the work.
1: So this is the podcast. It's about careers. How, what advice would you give to leaders to help them to identify superpowers of folks on their team? hard question. I mean, what
0: my, yeah. One of my earliest things, I guess I still do it to this day. It's like, spend time with people, spend calculated one-on-one time with people. So I mm-hmm. would either schedule myself to work shifts or I'd literally pony up next to whoever was unwrapping pounds of butter to put them in the mixer and just start to talk and just start to hang out. I'm working, you're working, which is great because then no one thinks that it's a formal conversation, Commodery. but I'll do everything from like, let's go for a walk. Like, let's go for a walk. Let's get a cup of coffee, whatever it is. Just calling someone on the phone to be yeah. like, Hey, I just want like, to like nowadays because, because of the world, like sometimes you just have to call someone on the phone to be like, I'm just mm-hmm. thinking about you. How's it going? How's life? What's this? What's I hey, I have a question. I've been like trying to figure out this thing over here. Like, you always seem really curious about it in a meeting. Like, I don't know, what's your take, really right? Nice. Like do it on this really low five personal level. One, it's just a great relationship capital investment, but it allows you to really start to understand in that person, like don't leave it to a review. I mean, review, totally ask the question, right? Like career development, et cetera, et cetera. What do you want to do? What do you want to be doing? But like, just start to ask the questions. Like, what can I see? Mm-hmm. Or, or, or like the person, the, the person on our team that was a pastry cook, Um, that ended up helping me really build out and run the operations, you know, um, ops, HR, finance. Um, she was just a pastry cook, but she would come in and after a month or two, she'd be like, you seen that bakery down the street, they're selling whatever. Or like, have you seen this? They came out with this flavor ice cream. And you could tell she was like, she was really studying other dessert businesses and her and her trust and love. Um, And empowerment was in milk bar. And I was like, Oh, this one dug a little deeper, dug a little deeper. She had the receipt, the business intellect, the business Mm -hmm. insights, but had never done any of it. So then how do you get them? How do you get them going? How do you get them the right skills? I'd pair them with different people to mentor, whether they were from Momo or other, you know, other sort of like, like minded resources and other organizations so that they had people to advocate for them in other ways. And Tremendous. Nurture, nurture, nurture. Water the flowers, (laughs) man
1: so this is gonna be a tough transition i want to talk about the origin of crack pie and Mm. how you had to rebrand
0: i mean okay (laughs) pie uh i was making pie i I was making family meal (laughs) if you like crack Um, and you
1: like pies we got something (laughs) for you
0: (laughs) no essentially i was like i mean this is also just a great example of like small tweaks can yield huge results but Basically, I was sort of desperate to make a dessert for my peers one day pre-milk bar and I was flipping through cookbooks and I basically like dog-eared two recipes. One is a gooey butter cake, which is like a Mm -hmm. St. Louis delight that is exactly what it is. It's gooey butter cake. And the other um, chest pie, like southern pie that you make. We don't have apples to make apple pie or pecans to make pecan pie. You make just pie, but you know, if you have the southern drawl, just pie sounds like chess pie. <laughs> um, and I was like, Oh, I like this. I don't really have anything fancy in the way of ingredients to bake. And I like the idea of making a pie, but also making it in this sort of like rule breaking way of like, no one would ever make a pie with nothing in it. Um, but I was like, what if it's just butter, flour, sugar? And then what if I I like, I don't know what your cookie monster approaches, but I like pretty much everything baked, you know, two, three, four, five minutes less than what everyone else tells you it should be baked brownies especially
1: oh i don't like over i don't don't like overbaked cookies i don't like a perfectly
0: my perfectly baked is always dense and gooey i Mm underbaked and so i did that with the pie um was like oh is a good idea or a bad idea which by the way has been whenever i whenever i have a moment where i'm like this is either a really good idea or really bad idea it's usually like that teetering line of it's going to fall in one direction dramatically. So it's almost, it almost (laughs) always falls in the right direction. Like if you don't really know, um, but I fed it to my peers and to the point of like transporting people and really just like creating this culinary adventure, my peers just started freaking out and eating it and going back. Oh my gosh, I don't want to take it. You take it. Like it's so out of control. It was like, you know, kind of cracked down. Like there was nothing pretty about it. Um, And they were like, Oh my gosh, this pie is amazing. It's like crack. It's crack pie. Right. Like, Whether insensitive or not, depending on what your relationship with um, the it's drug industry is. New York is, City, come wasn't on. It's like- it was obviously wasn't meant to be any of those things. And um, I also think like the tongue in cheekness of just like it's cereal milk, it's a compost cookie, et cetera, et cetera just became a bit of our naming convention it worked but more than anything is about the pie not about the name obviously Mm. um and then oh maybe seven or eight years ago we ended up changing the name to just milk bar pie because it started getting this controversy in a way that was like oh my god it was never meant to offend or make anyone feel no and like for me Adam, the bit was like i had two different people on my team that approached me and were like hey a member of my family is you know sort of dealing with like it wasn't about the social pressure for me it was about the like the second that it stands in the way for us internally nope. of doing the work that we're supposed to Change do it. it just is what it is
1: the name it's a flavor and of the case not the name you can move on from and we're that. not
0: drama here at milk bar no, yeah let's,
1: let's let's close let's close it's, it let's close if it. i could so, call
0: it gooey underbaked pie dramatically gooey underbaked pie i would <laughs> but it's called
1: milk pie, and it's delicious. And it's delicious. Get it. So a key, a key part of your style has been disruption. I mean, I think that's your, mm-hmm. your your headline there. And you say, "quote Magic is often created by breaking a rule," and you just emanate it from from everything that you do. How how could companies apply that? Like uh, in, in in the Fortune 500s, right? Like how could they start to apply more of this this rule breaking and pushing innovation to 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 try things?
0: You know, I think that my sort of like tenants are healthy tension is important. Um, and when I think about healthy tension, I think about the fact that like every great business is a, is a mix of art and science, creativity and operationalizing that creativity to bring it to the forefront. But I also think just in general about our creativity as tension, right? Like, Are sort of like, we don't have vanilla and that's a very tense place to be, Mm -hmm. right? Like, we don't have a chocolate chip cookie. We have something that reaches beyond the rules of what a business is supposed to be. And that those healthy tension points are our breakaway. So the tension of high, low, the attention of like accessible aspirational, the tension of expected and unexpected, like break, like nostalgia and, and newness, right? Like, what are the tensions that serve your business and how does that unlock the creative juice that is the, br- it's just something that's a breakaway. I think other parts of our creativity are like, what's our you in it? The reason we don't unfrost the sides of our cake is part of our creativity and this whole fudgy the whale thing. Because there are us, they, they were are like, well, cake is fine, but like it should be, to your point about wedding cakes, there should be so much more. But when you're only focused on it looking perfect and pretty and Dan Dan. Photos, but if yeah. you take a real honest, you know, conversation with yourself and say, but like, fudgy though, I'd rather a fudgy the whale at my wedding than oh a, like, me? what's your you in it, right? And how do you bring that? And then kind of my third part of creativity is, like small tweaks can yield really big results. And that's my milk bar pie of it, right? Like it was two recipes that have already been around. And I kind of was like, what if i sort of mush them together and underbake them a little, a little less, right? Like, obviously it's the formula is more refined than that, but that was the basic concept of it. We're a bakery that sells cookie cake, pie, and ice cream. Like there's nothing special about what we do. And yet everything we do is special because it comes with intention and not a hood of what it could have should have
1: it comes with intention and another business metric while we're on this chapter of the show is measuring impact not by traditional business ROI but by the quote twinkle in people's eyes
0: mm.
1: measuring by happiness yes
0: yeah.
1: now it sounds listen i love it but like how do you how do you measure like how do you measure that what's it's the bra- what, what's it like how do you feel it in this in this store like how do you you let me let me flip it okay there's so much positivity there what, what are those senses of, of when you pick up, whether it be uh, a negative product, negative placement, something not right? How do you, how do you, how do you feel that? And how do you adjust?
0: I can walk into a bakery and know that something's off because it starts like, I don't know. What does it look like when you walk into the bakery? Is it clean? Is it tight? Not clean, tidy, in like a rule following way. Like there's the basic brass tacks of what caring about where you work. looks like it's the part of health standards versus exactly and then dep etc but like (laughs) then when you walk in like what's the vibe is someone saying hey what's up in their own way is there are people in there as customers having a good time and jamming right like does Mm -hmm. the food look good like all of these things are a breadcrumb of trails that can tell you exactly whether the store is meeting their revenue goals or not. Right. Like, and that's not to say like they lead, but like there are moments when we had like our chef's table episode came out, right. People are rushing to milk bar. They're falling in love with milk bar new, et cetera, et cetera. Like sometimes the customer helps us fall in love with what we do anew. Right. Like it doesn't always, it's not, I'm not stating it in a way that's formulaic and that there's only one way to do it, but you have to feel like there is a love energy and enthusiasm around the work that you do both internally and team calls and team meetings and not like you can feel when there is disruption and drama or trauma or like people just feel the energy plugged in. And I, it's, I'm not like a hoo-ha kind of person, but just outright To your point of like, how do you know when you've done it right and it's joyful and, 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 well, the numbers will never lie about that. And sometimes the numbers start like sometimes it's something else that happens externally that drives people in that gives you the opportunity and your team the opportunity to fall in love with the work anew. Um, and then there's inevitably like the leadership part of like, how do you as a leader help drive that if you don't have folks, you know, on the front lines doing it, or you don't have your customers doing like, how do you do it as a team as a leader? It's, it's hard. It's the hardest maybe it arguably is. now than ever to be a leader. Like it's serious stuff. It's not for the faint of heart. There's no inherited greatness anymore, right? Like it is a, you got to have received no for inherited greatness. the leadership yeah. that you carry through every day.
1: So let's so this point of your career and success and everything. What's the hardest part about leadership for you? Like your leadership growth. What have you been? What's the hardest part?
0: Is the hardest part is the reach of it in an impactful way every single day. Like I am a I'm an introvert, but I'm a people person. Like I do my best work when I can stand next to you, scooping Mm. cookies or making a birthday latte or scrubbing the floor at night, or windexing the windows in the morning, or packing a care package box with you, or delivering super crunchy cookies to the grocery store. I do my best work when I can be with someone. And the hardest part for me is that's not exactly scalable because that relationship capital, it's trying to learn how to scale my own relationship capital.
1: A lot Truly. of self-awareness in your words. There's a lot and, of self-awareness. And by the way,
0: the my other bit, Adam, is like the reality that I do my best talking without words. Like I do my best talking, baking. I do my best time spending time with you. Like sometimes like the speeches and the podcast, they're what you're supposed to do. And I always come from them and I always go like, I do my best communicating in an in, informal, like when I stop holding myself accountable to being the head of milk bar in ways mm-hmm. that I'm put a what a could have supposed to supposed to do supposed, to, supposed of... to act. Mm. I, I just, it's, it's like almost remembering who you are and not trying to force yourself to be something you're not. And to tell yourself that it doesn't, it doesn't need to look like anyone else's version of it. Just keep trying to go back to that.
1: I needed to hear that right now. Thank you for <laughs> some of the shit I'm going through. Yeah. I'm serious. Thank you. I, I kind of needed to, to, to get back to that. Um, I want to,
0: You'll drive yourself crazy you'll run yourself rugged trying yeah. to chase something that is just before don't forget who you don't forget your superpower we're talking about unlocking superpower of your team don't forget your superpower and like have that calm quiet conversation with yourself regularly that's where i'm at right now
1: i love it i appreciate that um what's what's next on the horizon let's give us some alpha here what's next mm. on the horizon from milk bars. First of all, the 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 evolution into e-commerce and delivery during the pandemic mm-hmm. was awesome. We had some mm-hmm. stuff delivered. We surprised and delighted folks. It was awesome. Um but but what's next? What's next on that? Is it expan- I mean, we're doubling, expansion?
0: We're doubling tripling down into grocery. Like for me, the idea mm-hmm. that when you go to the grocery store with your kids and your daughter's like, I wanna bake that she thinks about baking in a way that reaches beyond the traditional baking mix or, or, mm. or, or when she wants a cookie yeah. or a pint Just of ice cream, yeah. she, yeah. I mean, I love break and bake, but also it can be more than a chocolate. It can be more yeah. than a chocolate chip cookie, but when she reaches for a pint of ice cream or a bag of cookies, that she's thinking about the world in a bigger, more magnificent way beyond the tried and true tropes. By the way, I love the tried and true. I'm not suggesting that we get rid of yeah. them. I just suggesting we need provision. more individuality and creativity and less more of the same. Like do we need 101 chocolate chip cookie skews on the aisles of a group? No. We need let's build on that guys and I think that my 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 thesis is that it will play out in a really beautiful way in, in, from a humanity standpoint. And then for me personally it's just unlocking more creativity. How do I right. bodyguard more? How do I stop trying to be all the other things and just spend more time doing the things that are the veryness of what milk bar, what made milk bar, milk bar 15 years ago amazing. Um, and doing that and doing it really well and just protecting the heart and the spirit of it.
1: I love it. Do, do we have a couple minutes to go over? Cause I have a couple more questions. Are we on, are we on the
0: clock? I need to stop at four. Otherwise I'm I will get stuck. So, down. so,
1: so let's, let's, let's bring it home here and I'm going to have a new segment. I have a new segment called fan questions. And this fan question comes from, <clears throat> A, a Matt H a Matt. Oh, Hig, Matt Higgins. Um, and his question is, um, fan question. Why do you give everyone close to you a nickname ending with a Y?
0: <laughs> I believe in the power of nicknames. Like, like the pro it's funny that that's the question. The proximity <laughs> thing is just true for me, right? Like I think that when people feel like they're a part of your inner circle, they're, they become a part of your inner circle emotionally, mm-hmm. and it's for me. I love I love to figure out what someone's nickname is and unlock it because I think it removes a boundary and a barrier that we're all too quick to put up these days, or that are built in. And it, I mean, I don't. It's not like every stranger I meet gets a nickname, mm-hmm. but if you're a part of my life, like how do I, as an introvert, also force myself to lead the right way into the relationships that I want to have in life? I take it. One of my, one of my natural things is that I just like to come up with nicknames for Maddie
1: people. Maddie Higgins. I I, yeah. I love it. And, and if we were going to have more time to talk, there were certain things, but I'll give you some accolades of always putting women first in your organization. Mm-hmm. Kudos to that. I mean, it's something I'm a tremendous, um, ally for, but let's, let's bring it home. Use a questions to ask every guest because this is my master class. Um, Christina, what is the single greatest piece of advice you've ever received that you take action on daily? Could be a mantra, something you wake up, first thing you say in the morning, you say it to your kids.
0: My mom's best piece of advice was smile. Her basic piece of advice was if you smile big enough, no one will notice how big your feet are, which is like just sort of like all the deficiencies. Oh, my my feet are too big. I'm too short. I'm too small. I'm too this. I'm too that. The self-talk, like, like smile your way through it because no one else knows what else is going on in your head and no one sees you that way in right. and, 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 and and like lead with the generosity to others and the rest of the stuff in your head will quiet down and just like go forward, like go out into the world and smile because that's what we all need more of.
1: And that's great advice. And last but not least, Christina, when you look back at your life, there was hard times and tough times and you had to really pull yourself through and dig down deep and harness that inner tenacity to pull you up. And now you're in a position of gratitude for this life, this brand that you've created, this family, and all the goodness of the world. What keeps you focused? What keeps you on your path? Christina Tosi, what is your North Star in life?
0: My North Star in life is my family. It's my. They're my grounding. They're my sense of self. They. It, they have created chaos in a way that distracts me from being self-absorbed whatever self-absorbed means that day, brushing my hair some days, <laughs> uh, worrying about work and other things in the of woulda, coulda, shoulda. My family is what keeps me on a path of like happiness and gratitude and being a good person in the world.
1: I love it. Christina, hang with me for a moment here. Thank you so much for joining me. This has been a, a great episode, one that I've really been looking forward to because you created something that I love that I'm going to share with my kids and I'll talk to you offline. I would like to take my kids during Christmas break to the city for the first time to Milk Bar and have them and and do the full experience with them. We'll talk about that offline, but, but thank you. Thank you for being you and just being open and and sharing and caring. And I want everyone to check out MilkBarStore.com. They ship nationwide, right?
0: Heck yeah, we do.
1: Heck yeah, we do. <laughs> and I'll throw it out there. If and when you ever want to expand, I'd love to put a milk bar in Merrick and blow up the South Shore of Long Island. I love it. Um, I love and it. you can find out more at Tosey.com. Where else could folks connect with you? And
0: Milkbarstore.com, on the gram, Boom. at Tozy. come at me.
1: You got it, Christina. Thank <laughs> you so much for joining me. Everyone out there, if this episode meant something to you, leave a review rating. It goes a long way. Sharing means caring. Follow us on the podcast.com, all the social media channels. You know where to find us. Remember, take care of yourself. Be good to yourself, be better to others, and catch us next week for another great episode of the podcast. Take care, everybody. Hey, everybody. First, I'd like to thank you all for spending time with me and my guest on the podcast. This show is my canvas to showcase amazing people from the world of recruiting, entrepreneurship, and leadership, and unpack their career journeys for everyone to learn from. But this show is also a business generator for me, as well as creating thought leadership and endless amazing content. And I've taken what I've learned in the past three years and over 200 recorded and 100 live shows and distilled it down into a digital playbook that I call the Pause Course. Now you could learn how I build, manage, and produce the podcast, and use it to drive real business development and relationships. Today, I'm sharing all of my secrets behind the podcast, and you can get it all at thepausecourse.com. This course is for anyone, whether you're starting out or an advanced podcaster. using it for B2B, a B2C. It's filled with all of my insights, learnings, tips, tricks, and templates. So get it now at the and learn all my secrets. Thanks. Wisdom is forever, but for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode soon. Jam packed with more incredible humans. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and sharing. To join the conversation, search The Podcast on LinkedIn. And to catch up on past episodes and more info, please visit www.thepodcast.com.